almost the weekend. We're down under, you're down under. If you're an international lister, listener, and a, you could be a lister as well. I'm a lister. I really like to list oh. my things <laughs> and then do them. What about you, Joe? Are you a lister or are you lost? Speaking of lists, no, you got nothing. Uh, this, <laughs> this is so far off the rails, like instantly this time. Um, did you forget that I said that I asked you to go first this time, or was there like a pregnant pause just because you wanted to add some gravitas? I I can't remember. I'll I'll okay. be completely honest. I can't remember. I'm 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 back in Australia. I'm a little bit jet lagged. So if you want me to remember anything in the last sixty seconds, we're gonna have to write it down. Ooh, all right that's it's pretty goldfishy but not too bad i think that's probably <laughs> that's gonna be all right um but no i am uh what did you ask <laughs> <laughs> you are the worst i asked if you're a, a lister a, a listener or a list a list uh when you have a bunch of things to do do you just keep them oh. jumbled up in your head like a hebephrenic spider or do you list them out like like an organized member of society uh yes no i do i I've, I've been especially recently pretty heavily reliant on the list mm. i love i love a list mm-hmm. love a list a lot mm. um i list i use the the notes app in my phone not the note default one whatever called keep note i think oh yeah and it just makes check checklists uh at the speed of light and um mm. i really like that for it so i use checklists a lot um mm. i have several ongoing checklists that i update all the time and then i have several that just like languish at the bottom of the pile that n- are never to be looked at mm. uh, ongoing checklists can you give us yeah. an example of one of the ongoing ones as long as it's not too personal yeah um, I've actually done some out of this one. We got city, nothing in the city checklist. What? We got woolies. Hold on, wait, city. What? What? As was... in, there's things I need to do in the city. You know, like one of them that I should add is buy Christmas presents. So that is a checklist based on the place. Yes, that, that you need that to do things. Time. That's unhinged, yeah. dude. I just. Is it? Oh yeah. Based on the place, that's that's very strange behavior. I gotta say, as a list fanatic, that's if you're organizing <laughs> your lists geographically, that is very I think that's strange. really good. I no, think that's like, no. because like I don't want all of these tasks to come under the same heading. You know, these are all to dos, but I don't want to. I don't want to have to look at all the to dos all in one go. Is this a cry no, for help? No. Is this like no. the dishwashing thing? <laughs> This is real. Okay. Uh, All right. What I other got, lists have you got? got if you've got, got one that says backyard, I swear to God. No, I don't, it's not that granular. Um, we got a uh, home. We've got to clean the skylight and mow the backyard. Uh, we got <laughs> wedding, call uh, a venue and then call a different venue. Wow. Yep. Uh, and then under personal, I've got research pod. I've done that. Check that off. That's good. Ooh, don't you love a check off? How do you mm, how do you yeah. check it off? Does it have like a tick built into the app, or do you like bold the instruction? What's your what's your flavor? Uh, the app has a, a, a box that you press, and it, it makes a little check, and then it sends it to the bottom of the list. Mm, nice, nice. Um, which I actually kind of don't like. I, I would rather it stay in the list and then I move it when it's ready to go. You know, I'd right. rather look at a bunch of checked off stuff. Yeah, that's real shopping list behavior. If you've ever yeah. used a shopping list app, they love to chuck the checked things at the bottom. 
Yeah, which is horrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one list that I've got. Uh, I got a bunch of other lists here, like must-have songs for the wedding. I mean, that's sort of a pretty obvious one. Uh, Wait, so that's not under wedding though? No, because the wedding stuff. <laughs> I mean, the the list of songs is just like I, I needed a place to put these songs. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. So, Joe, what? How, how are you? And what have you been playing? <laughs> <laughs> I've been pretty good up until I've been accosted for my list. It's just, uh, I mean, very, very I vulnerable. Just, I was. I I don't know what I was expecting. I was just because you're you're a very assiduous go-getter i was just Mm. expecting a lot of clarity um but i just kind of peeped in through the window into a house of madness um (laughs) and that's cool you know i i you know it's all good it's all good on it's almost the weekend there's no judgment here unless you watch the game awards yeah i did watch the game awards um but no i have been playing uh, a little bit of that cassette beasts, which mm. is mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. But you know, we've already had little personal conversations about that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also it, it's played a shame. that for a bit. Yeah, um, and I also played a game called Knuckle Sandwich. Oh yeah, I think you I mentioned spoke about this. Briefly. Yeah, this is probably going to be what I do my games club episode about for real because I have to write something. Uh, I I can't just write this is bad seven times in a row and expect it to be, you know, anything worth listening to. So we're going to, you'll hear about it then. You'll hear about it then, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And man, I feel like I've just been flitting and floating between all sorts of various games, you know, like never really sticking to one for a long period of time recently. I've just been going, you know, doing the motions, been busy, haven't really been able to sit down with the game properly. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So nothing I, much to report on that front, I'm afraid. I, ima- I imagine that's the plight of, of many a Steam library owner, such as yourself, you know, where the library is just hundreds of games long. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that when you get up in the morning and you've got some time to play some games and you open that Steam library and just like 200 games are staring back at you? Darian, I'm going to tell you, it's a list. <laughs> <laughs> I organised them into countries they were developed in. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not far from the truth. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I have a list. Uh, it's uh, it's called a, a media list, actually. A media list. Okay. Yeah. So All right. a list of items. It's basically like a Kanban board. You know, you put stuff in to do, doing, done, and then I've got a back burner chart as well. Oh, yeah, that's good. And so just so I can get this straight, I really, you know, I don't want to put you under the microscope or your psyche or anything like that. It's However, tough. this <laughs> this media list that you've got mm. is this Kanban board because you've got a limit, you know, as things move through the Kanban board, you can't just have like a million things in currently doing. You might have no, like that's right. four. And, and so... Is this music, movies, and video games, or is this just video games? It's video games, books, comics. Um, oh god, and movies and TV shows. But it's not it's not totally up to date. That's the thing. Is there's like a bunch of stuff missing, um, which is really <laughs> bad. What that's what I've been trying to fix over the last week actually is go through back because I have been neglecting the media list. 
make sure my to-do list is up to date, make sure my doing list is up to date and put, put stuff that was in doing over to done. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's more things in the doing list than I would want to be there. Uh, currently that's what, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, there's like 12 things in the doing list. Yeah, I mean, that might be too many, but if you've literally got all forms of media in there, that's that's probably okay. Because, I mean, mm. you can read a couple of books at the same time, watch a couple of movies coming up this week, have some video games to dabble in. And you've got comics on there as well. You need yeah. You need list separation. You need a list apartheid. <laughs> yes i mean so it's probably 80 percent video games in the doing tab right. so you know it needs to be culled uh i did speaking of which i did call one the other day i finished alan wake 2 oh what are your what are your spoiler free thoughts on that bad boy um it sort of okay alan wake was incredible for the first six seven hours like mm-hmm. really great game of the year contender you know not wow. you know not going to be like up at the top but it's a contender for sure Mm. Um, and then the final, whatever, six and a half, seven hours after that were just like, not good for me. Mm. Very much just like rinse and repeat all of the mystery and mystique of the interesting mechanics that they introduced and that I hoped they would explore upon, mm-hmm. uh, they did in the second mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the game, when you play as Saga, you've got this thing, I might've mentioned this in the pod that I was talking about again, but she's got this thing called the mind place which is oh, a yeah. horrible term for a superpower, but she goes to her mind place uh-huh. and she puts uh, cases on a board and she can arrange uh, things to make conclusions. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's got some Oberdin in there a little bit, but mm. absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it's basically just like, you can only put things in certain locations. Um, right. And then after, after you, after you do that, she's like, Oh, this thing might belong to this and has a revelation and you can talk to someone now. Mm, so it's like okay. a little mini, mini puzzle as a detective to solve some stuff. Yeah, and there's multiple cases you can run at once. You know, they basically it basically acts as a quest, a, a more complicated quest menu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I was hoping with that they would explore that, and it would be like she would have some descent into madness, and her revelations would go bad, and it would mm-hmm. result in the world around her changing mm-hmm. for the worse. Because she's in this, you know, she basically gets written into Alan Wake's book um, this time around. Right. And finds herself in, in the reality where her husband has divorced her and her, her baby has died. My God. Her child has died. Yeah. And so she's like, everyone around her is saying that her child is dead, but she's convinced that she's not. She keeps this clear mind through the whole game, basically. Mm. And I was like, wouldn't it be more interesting <laughs> if there was some <laughs> conflict? And they briefly touch upon it, but then it's just like left, you know, they, they, they never really like let you stew right okay never evolve that thing and it's the same when you play as this might be a slight spoiler but probably not the game's been out for a while when you play as alan um he has this writer's room thing where he can change reality by changing um the plot on this plot board Mm. so yeah he puts like we're in the foyer of the cinema up on the plot board and then there's like a few different nodes you can attach to it like uh, the cultists or the um, the murderer or the detective and depending on what you attach to the foyer will change the reality that you're kind of in right. and so like when you attach the cultists to the foyer the foyer that you're standing in like shifts and changes and turns into this you know neon cultist den and he, 
and you know you, he talks about the cultists and what they were doing there and you know the enemies change and stuff so that was cool and i was like wow that's such ripe territory to like do some really interesting world building and like puzzle solving and like what if you started mixing them together to like you know break reality but it would like fuse things together so you could like you know what if you mix the detective and the cultists and you got detective cultists like what happens then <laughs> you know like it's just ripe for like mixing things uh, yeah. but they never they never did and i was mm. like what the fuck and then <laughs> and then what about we mix the two together you know saga's powers and alan's powers and mm. we get some like you know deduction mixy matchy you can like change alan's brain space and you know affect the way that he's interpreting the world based on saga's deductions and you know what if you could change the world that saga was in by changing alan's writing you know like that that right. would have been cool but no they're very much two separate stories um, so mm, do you think it anyway. kind of suffers then from just like the regular triple a thing where they're too scared to make a game that's under 10 hours i think they sort of might have reached uh, a point in development when they realized that they couldn't do those things and had to just you know make the game that they could make right which sure happens a lot i think um, yeah i don't know if they ever had dreams of doing those things i think they would have mm. uh, and they do they do some interesting things but they're not within the, the confines of those mechanics which i thought was where they would go mm, sure um it is a beautiful game very pretty graphics cool sounds audio music models everything is like top tier mm, okay but yeah just it just outstays its welcome for me yeah rip alan wake 2 yeah i feel like i just spoke a lot about alan wake 2 <laughs> yeah well i wanted to i wanted to hear what was up with uh the the main our main boy alan and uh i don't know much about it and i haven't seen much about it but doesn't the main boy alan give off jared leto vibes doesn't he look like jared leto a little bit circa late 90s a little bit, a little bit. I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I don't, <laughs> I don't fundamentally agree, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, uh, I have been doing a dastardly thing. I have been playing Hearthstone. <gasps> yeah, so you can give unbelievable yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You <laughs> i can... can't believe i've been rinsed for playing magic the gathering <laughs> yeah and you're here playing hearthstone yeah i'm playing okay. that auto chess mode oh uh, yes yes i still need to see that what that actually is you have to show me when we when we hang out on the weekend yeah sure sure it's very good it's very well designed um but yeah you're welcome to just pile on the shit after all my magic <laughs> comments uh, which I will continue to disperse. Um, but yeah, there's been a new, a big new update, you know. I don't know how it got to me. I haven't played Hearthstone in years, but it got to me somehow. And uh, it was like the update's going live tomorrow. I was overseas. I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just have a bit of a dabble. And uh, it's fun. It's really, really fun. And it's mm. just because maybe it's been a couple of years and so there's so much that's new to me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think maybe that's the way to play Hearthstone because this is a mode that's completely free. You know, you don't need any cards or a deck or anything like that. You can just jump in and do the auto chess. Um, mm. And yeah, they've made a bunch of changes that are way better for the game and like it enables you to have a good time even if you lose, which 
uh, was kind of always a thing with this auto chess. But yeah, it's not it's not the most accessible thing, you know. Like most rounds go for at least forty minutes. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a bit of a commitment, and there's also a commitment to understanding all of the mechanics and the cards. Right. So like the way it works is there's a tavern, and you buy cards from the tavern, and then the cards you buy uh, compete in like an auto chess combat mode. Right. Um, but the thing is, your time in the tavern is timed. You know, it's you and seven other players and you can't be there forever, so it's got to be timed. And a lot of the end game builds require a lot of, like, buying cards and, like, you know, understanding synergies and that kind of thing. And if you're a new player and you don't know what the cards do, you've kind of, like got to hold the card or mouse over it read what it does right. and then like work out if it's going to work for you whereas like people with experience are just flying through the tavern mode and and you know they're able to have stronger minions uh because right. of their experience so yeah it's been like a bit here or there but uh it's honestly been really fun just because like i remember the core mechanics but basically everything else is new hell yeah I mean, I probably probably can't judge you for saying that the length of the game is 40 minutes. I uh, I played a game of Magic the Gathering yesterday with a couple of people from work. Uh, oh, yeah. And it was three and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if, you, if you're playing Magic, it's, you just can't defend it. There's nothing you can do. You're, oh, yeah, yeah. You're in, you know? You're in the world. You're in Magic Realms. Is, do they have, like, a name? Uh, for the, the realm place, yeah. I, they probably do. I don't know it. Mm. I haven't been like super um, well versed about the law. I right. basically just played the cards. You'll get there. You'll get there. Like this time mm. next year, it'll it we won't be doing a best of the year. We'll be doing like top Joe's five cards. magic cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe's magic corner. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. actually I'd actually be keen for a magic episode. Have we had magic? Did no, we do we Magic the Gathering? You did Ooh. card games, but we didn't talk about Magic the Gathering. No, no. If we're going to do card games, we're only going to talk about Slay the Spire. <laughs> Which we did. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I got some chicken wings if, if, you're, if you're hungry. I'm famished. Hit me with that chicken wing. Shit. All right. So, um, like I say, I've had so much news. So, some of this news is literally months old, but uh, that's too bad. So we got a big, fat, huge update from Grounded. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's a Grounded update. It's been live for a really long time by this point, probably at least four weeks. Oh. <laughs> um, and it's called Make It or Break It. And they have basically given you the tools to the backyard, just like in Mario Maker. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you can make your own backyard. Yeah, so you can design levels and and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right. I don't have any desire to do that, but yeah, that's <laughs> cool that it exists. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, we've 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 talked up grounded a little bit, so I feel like it's fair yeah. that we uh, you know, mention it. Yeah. Um moving right along on to the next Wang. I've got uh, Dead Space 3 writer and co-producer Chuck Beaver. He says he would redo Dead Space 3 almost completely if given the chance. 
so I mean, Dead Space Three, uh, famously bad. I played it all the way through because I'm just so thirsty for Dead Space. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very bad game. It has co-op, which obviously is just you know cool on the back of the box when you're looking at bullet points under features but for mm. dead space co-op is co-op is not on uh and so i remember reading this article where, where chuck beaver's interviewed he's like yeah we'd redo dead space 3 completely and i remember he 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 is lying he's lying joe he he was like yeah we <laughs> yeah. do we do it completely and then he's like yeah you know but we'd keep the co-op because we really feel there's like a dual story to tell there and i'm like ah oh, you're too close you're too close to this yeah. project you're like a director in the editing room sometimes you just gotta leave you gotta you gotta let them cut it all up and make it better than you can envisage yeah right i remember um Dead Space 3 being, like, way more action-y. Like, it gives you, like, machine guns and stuff pretty mm. early. Mm. Which was kind of right at the center point of the antithesis to what Dead Space is kind of all about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I think they went a bit too hard on the story. Like, you're in one of the cities at the start of Dead Space 3... And it's cool and all that, but yeah, it just feels like uh, like almost Call of Duty that they've reskinned with Dead Space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the stories are fine in Dead Space, but you're not there for the story. Like, the story just needs to serve what is super good, which is, like, dark hallways and uh, psychotic breaks. Um, all right. So, I mean, we're getting to the end of the year. So the stats start coming out. Um, Ooh, baby. <laughs> so I have some stats from Nintendo. Um, they recently updated their public sales figures for their top selling first party games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to ask you what, do you think is Nintendo's best-selling game? And I, I gotta say, I think this needs to be the Switch generation. So for the Switch right. generation, what do you think their best-selling game is? It's got to be Tears of the Kingdom. It's not even close. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is t- <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom? Might not even be in the top ten. What? Yeah. Uh, oh wait, is it Breath of the Wild? Oh wait, are you talking about for this year or for the whole no Switch no lifetime? for the, for the lifetime of the Switch? Oh, didn't Breath of the Wild actually shift Japan's GDP? Ah, uh, yeah, they did have one game like that. Was it Breath of the Wild? It may have been, but that's number mm. four. What? Okay. What's number one? Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, baby. Oh uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, that's the- always at the top of their list. But I figure it's just. They've just doctored the numbers to make it look like it's at the top of the list all the time, <laughs> just to make people aware of the fact that it's a game that they have. Yeah, so what um, what makes me believe this number is that I read that, you know, there are something like 110 million Switches sold, or whatever that number was from last week's episode, um, and 57 million of them. Uh, or not 57, but, like, a, a huge number of them shipped with Mario Kart. So it was, um, like, you bought the Switch and you bought Mario Kart as well. There's a specific yeah, right. there's a specific term when you, like, 
a look at sales for a console and like a game that comes with it. I can't remember what it is right now, but yeah, so uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe just destroys this list, um, which is wild because Mario Kart 8 was on the Wii U and they just, you know, ported that shit over and added a, a, a few new levels and uh, yeah, they've got a best-selling game. Yeah. That's Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, their second is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, yeah. Which makes perfect sense. That was, you know, start of the pandemic. Everyone was yeah. hunkering down, especially if they could afford shit like this, and it was Animal Crossing time. Totally. Uh, and then, yeah, third, ahead of Breath of the Wild, is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Oh, right. Wow, I didn't expect that. I thought... As a fighting game, it would be way lower down the list. Yeah. Most people don't play fighting games. Yep, totally. Mm. And what is blowing my mind here is Pokemon is not seen until the sixth entry. Yeah, right. So yeah. We, we've got Mario Kart, Animal Crossing, Super Smash Bros, Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey is number five, oh, and yeah. Yep. yeah, Pokemon Sword is is number six. Wow. Is shield number seven? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so if you combine those two, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's basically number two behind Mario Kart. Right. <laughs> that look there we go. That's that makes more sense. Uh, God damn it! I was trying to I was trying to sneak in there and be like, yeah, Pokemon's yeah. number six. The age of the Poke yeah, Monster is over. It's, no, it's the not. Pocket Monster is done for. Put him in your pocket. It's over. <laughs> no, he's still out here riding. Shotgun again with fucking <laughs> Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's true. It's true. Um, and the other clumping of stats I've got here is uh, regarding worldwide gaming investments. Um, mm. So I wanted to talk about this briefly just because it kind of reflects what we're seeing in the tech industry as well, where companies are downsizing in a pretty major way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and so let's let's see what uh, what's important here. So I've basically got a graph that I'm looking at from 2019 to 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see in 2019, um, you, you've got an investment of, of just rounding down $4,000 million into the industry, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what, $4 billion. So in 2019, you're talking a $4 billion industry in 2020, you got a 6.7 billion dollar industry yeah. in, in 2021. 14 billion dollars in 2022 also 14 billion dollars right in 2023 2 billion dollars whoa yeah so a pretty huge drop uh drop compared to what we saw in the pandemic uh so obviously 2023 isn't over so we've still got a, a quarter to complete here um, but just looking at the trend, uh, it, it really seems like this is uh, basically a return to form before the pandemic kind of forced everyone to, to go digital and, and you know play more video games than they otherwise right. would. And sorry, th- those numbers, those dollars, was that investment or was that profit or what was that? This number? was investment. So this, okay. this was money spent 
in in an effort to create games. Yeah, right. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't really know what to do with that that particular stat. Two billion. No, no. Uh, and and you know this isn't uh, a measurement of the industry as a whole. You know no, the, yeah. the industry is worth way way more than that. But I I just thought it was interesting that the last few years have seen uh, basically a huge rise, and mm. then yeah, it's you know. Uh, it it doesn't mean that suddenly all the layoffs make sense or anything like that, but it was no. just curious to to note that uh, yeah, there's a lot less money being invested in video games this year than the previous three. Yeah, it's kind of a monumental amount of money being not invested compared to the prior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really. Yeah, it sounds like something is amiss. You know, like there must be some large company or companies that are deciding to not, you know, publishers, I guess, deciding to not buy new properties or reinvest in existing properties. I don't know. It's, um, there's got to be some accounting for that, you know? Like, I just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, and the other thing that is worth noting as well is how console cycles work. Like, mm. I, I only have data from 2019 to 2023. And so, at the, you know, 2020 was when the new console generation launched. And then we've got two big years after that where a lot of money is going into games. And I just, you know, I wonder if we look at the previous console cycles that that is a trend, you know, and it's just data that we don't have right now. Yeah, it could, you know, the, the, the other thing that just occurred to me was... Well, maybe this is more to your point as well about data that we just don't have yet, but it could be that the heavy investment at the sort of first few years of the console generation makes sense that it tapers off shortly after, mm. you know, like it kind mm. of, you've done your rounds of investment and now you actually have to wait while the things get made. So there right. might be some just like natural curve that doesn't necessarily speak to a downturn in production. If anything, it speaks to a consistency in production that is, you know, there's not new things being purchased, but, you know, reoccurring investments and things that already exist. Totally. Um, So I don't, yeah, it's hard to say because it's not like I can bucket any amount of that, whatever, 16 billion prior Mm. and be like, oh, these are new investments. And then, you know, only 2 billion of those accounted for um, reoccurring investments from the prior year. And then it's like, oh, there's no new investments this year because yeah, there's kind of this fear in the market or we're just, you know, not investing in making new things, but that 2 billion does account for what we thought was, you know, previously just, you know, continued investment on pre-existing properties. So like, it's just hard to sure. bucket the, those billions. Yeah. Let me bucket that billion. Yeah. <laughs> Today on bucket a billion, number one lifestyle podcast. It's almost the weekend has major <laughs> tips. We got bathroom advice. <laughs> um, I can't segue from that. Speaking of bathroom advice, it's not my topic anyway, but, uh, oh. Well, look, before we move on to Topic Land, Mm. you didn't watch the Game Awards, did you? No. There was a bunch of announcements. Do you want me to quickly breeze through them and we can ad hoc choose which ones we want to talk more about before I start Topic? Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, cool. Um, I've just got the IGN.com article for the Game Awards 2023, everything announced. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just going to go through it. So there's some stuff in here that is totally just going to be say next to but some stuff that might be more interesting well that's so, the tr- that's the trouble right because yeah. th- this thing is just like a, a hype machine thing but like yeah. 
What we're really excited for is new IPs and that kind of thing. There so, is a lot of that, so get ready. Right, okay, all right. Let's hear uh, it. Okay, here we go. So the first one is not that. Capcom announces Monster Hunter Wild. It's coming 2025. Looks like more Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Hideo Kojima officially releases, releases Xbox Project, get this, oh. now titled OD. Uh, oh, this kojima stepped out onto the stage through a pt door you know the door in pt with the flickering light above it Uh, yeah and he came out and spoke for a while with um mr keely and uh jordan peele joined him on stage jordan Um, peele yes wow yeah he stepped through the door as well it was very odd and he Mm -hmm. showed a short um says reveal trailer it's a minute and 40 long and it's basically just a bunch of cg highly realistic heads um in capture volumes uh emoting and talking and saying various things um wow it looks it looks like a spooky that kind of is the vibe of od which i think stands for overdose right okay and um, death stranding 2 still isn't out death stranding 2 didn't get a mention at the game awards <laughs> Death Stranding 2 cancelled. Jordan Peele is my new best friend. Yeah. Dude, Kojima is such a star fucker. Like, every time I see him, he is with some celebrity, like, whining and dining them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, next on the list is free God of War Ragnarok DLC. Oh. Um, this one is coming out. It'll, it'll be out today, actually. Oh, actually, no, December 12th. Oh, by the time the episode comes out, it will well and truly be out. Hell yeah. Um, came out yesterday for us. And it is a... Just an expansion on the existing game. It's free and it is like a um it takes the the combat elements from the original game and like adds a roguelike kind of setting to it. Oh, interesting. They they got in just after The Last of Us 2 were like, we're gonna introduce roguelike. Yeah, it seems to be what everyone does with their big triple A boy. You know, they're like, We got this game, and what if it was a roguelike now? Like, <laughs> Mooncrash really did it before anyone. Yeah, shout out to Moon Crash, which I still have not played. Me neither. Okay, uh, next on the to- on the docket is Marvel Blade is in development at Arcane Studios. Oh, famed so studios a- behind Redfall. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. Very odd. I don't know what they're going to do with it. It was a cool trailer. It was just cinematic though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yep, Blade. We love Blade. We love Blade. I had the PS2 game mm-hmm. that was based on the second movie. And mm-hmm. I remember loving it. And about two months ago, Donkey played it and released oh, yeah. a video. And it just looked like the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Donkey has a particular way, as does um, James Defster, of making games that you thought looked good look bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they'll they'll get stuck in some weird glitch and walk against a wall for ten minutes of B roll, and you're like, wow, this game sucks. Oh man, yeah, I think I mean some games are just better left in the past, but it's amazing. It's amazing what you put up with when you would just you know rent a game and you only had it for one night, and I yeah. think I think there was a lot of pressure on you to enjoy it because it was expensive and like you only had a short time period with it and uh now that that isn't the case you look at something like that and you're like oh my god wasted years yeah yes yes exactly well not wasted years but yes i know what you mean (laughs) 
Um, well, maybe wasted years. Who cares? Uh, Sega <laughs> announces <laughs> Sega announces five new games in development. But I hated this announcement because they're not new games. These are remakes. We got oh. Jet Set Radio, Shinobi, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, and Crazy Taxi, as well as a few more. Golden Axe, bro. Yeah. Me and my dad used to play that in the arcade. Hell yeah, dog. That's awesome. Wow, that's that. That's an old one. I love Crazy Taxi as well. The remake, the footage that they showed looked great. Really? Yeah. yeah. We love a bit of Crazy Taxi. Such a good game. Um, I, th- that's a game that just knows what it is. You know, it doesn't try to do anything crazy. It's just like, you know, here's a, a map. Be a taxi driver. Pick up some people and drop them off. Get <laughs> in a time limit. It's perfect. Yeah, it's got a good tone too. They went for yeah. that whole like punk aesthetic with the music. Yeah, yeah. it was a good time. I remember on, I think it was the GameCube, there was a crazy taxi game that came out on that and it came with like some mini games. And one of the mini games was this bowling mini game where you drove around a maze knocking over bowling pins as mm-hmm. a taxi. Mm-hmm. And it was good as. <laughs> you had to like drift into them. It was fucking sick. Um, Hell yeah. Fingers crossed for the uh, bowling mini game in the remake. Oh, if they bring it back, that's a day one, baby. Um embarks the finals is now available so they basically came on stage and they said yeah remember that game that was in beta earlier it's out now go download it so the finals is out right that's you remember uh, this one yeah i think you mentioned the finals every week and because the name is so generic i just have no information attached to it it's that first person shooter multiplayer game with the destructible environments right yes yes so this is on pc or like it's out right cool yeah. cool cool yeah. um it is it's been copying some flack recently because it's been using ai for the voice acting oh um, yeah which is such a strange thing in this game because that canned lines it's not like it needs to generate new audio or new you know phrases and, and then have something say them on the fly all of the lines are canned so just have someone say them i don't know whatever anyway <laughs> <laughs> but it's cheaper joe and steeper we don't have to hire well that's what the dumb thing is in the original release prior to the ai voice when they had like closed beta they had voice actors saying the exact same lines oh that's really dumb bro so (laughs) sean murray everyone's favorite no man's sky promiser of the world and deliverer of the universe stepped on stage let me guess no man's sky too no Wait. He did announce he did announce a new DLC, but there was another thing he had to say. No, not a new game. A new game <laughs> called Sh- Light No Fire. He says it is the world's truly first open world game. <laughs> what? Hasn't yeah. he learned anything? Yeah. Uh, the game showed some build- base building, some dragon riding, and cooperative elements. It looks like a lot of stuff that has sort of been ripped from straight from uh, no man's sky but given a more fantasy kind of coat is he being Um, is he being torn apart for this like what's the what's the vibe on this the vibe is really positive the trailer is actually great yeah it looks fun right um like i said though it is it is there's a lot of like you know when when he jumps on the dragon it sort of takes off like a spaceship you know like it just feels (laughs) very like yeah um um, that's a bit reductive there is animations but it just feels very much like we just you know took a bunch of code base and copy pasted right 
Um, but mean. the world does look cool and the creatures and stuff do look cool and the idea of having a huge open world with a bunch of different players seems interesting um anyway I, uh, if you I, see the trailer floating around definitely watch it because i think it's worth a watch oh i mean I'll, I'll go out of my way just so just so i can be a part of this because i mean what's what's he doing making big statements that potentially aren't true the first well, truly yes. open world what does that even mean <laughs> bro i don't know oh he, god Je- jeff called him out on stage about it he was what as he was saying it he jeff was like here we go again you know like uh, <laughs> sean yeah, is also immensely uh self-aware about this whole thing as well he's been posting to twitter and and even made some jokes on stage about the fact that he's, you know, doing another big hype, you know, over-promising reveal of a thing. But right. there was a, a sense of um, that he felt, you know, th- that it was like a bit lighthearted, you know? That's Great. I like that about him. Great. We love a, a lot of a, a bit of deprecation on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Final Fantasy DLC. Sorry. So Final Fantasy 16 DLC announced. No, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Rise of the Ronin gets a March 24, 24 release date. This looks like a triple A looking um, Ronin game, you know, Japanese Ronin yep. thing. That they um, missed the ticket though, tw- like 2019 and 2020. That's when we were Samurais. I know. We, yeah, it's too late for them. We're cyberpunk now. <laughs> yeah. Skull and Bones got a release date, which is February 16, 2024. Oh, um, this is the the one that you talked about on the pod ages ago, where it's been yeah. in development for like twelve years or some shit, and they've had like half a dozen delays. So it's just been in development hell. I don't know how much this game cost. You know, Ubisoft. <laughs> uh, they must have sunk so much money into this thing. Mm. Anyway, speaking of sunk, no, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> Lost Records. This is a new title called <clears throat> Lost Records Bloom and Rage. It is the next game from Life is Strange creator. Don't nod. Oh, okay. Um, the trailer was a cinematic trailer, but it looked very, really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, for sort of school age kids come across a portal in the woods and bad stuff happens. It looks like it's going to do a little bit of flashing forward and backwards and it's probably superpowers because it's Life is Strange, but it looks fun. Mm. Did you ever play Life is Strange? No, I didn't. Hmm. Me neither. I felt I felt like I got kind of burnt out by the Telltale games, and then Life is Strange arrived just after that. I was looking at some gameplay of the first Life is Strange because I was curious. I wanted to know what the game was, um, mm. and it, it doesn't. It looks a bit different um, to right. those those other games you're talking about. Right. Uh, Dragon Ball Sparking Zero gets a proper reveal. This is like not a Dragon Ball fighting game, like you know, uh, Fighter Z, um, but it's more of like a classic Dragon Ball game mm. all right I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm imagining this list is quite large so i'm gonna give you three more titles to read out oh fuck me all right <laughs> oh that's rough bro you've, <laughs> yeah. done, you've done me a doozy all right here we go uh big walk is the next game from the developers of untitled goose game house house Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a really odd departure from from Goose Game. This is like a. It looks like um, Sean Murray's game. You know, it's like a, got an open map, and you're walking around it with some friends. Um, sort of like a realistic looking map with some very cartoony looking odd characters. Again, okay. another trailer worth a watch. Okay, 
Interesting. You know, I just realized, wouldn't Microsoft Flight Simulator be the first game with a truly open world? I don't know. (laughs) You're asking me, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just, I'm fixated on this Sean Murray thing. I can't believe he came out here and and did it again. He's done done it again. Oh my God. Um, I'm just scrolling. I'm scrolling, Darian. I'm scrolling. Oh, yeah. uh, here's one that you might like. Dead Cell Studio Motion uh, Twin reveals their new game called Windblown. Oh, no shit. Wow. They've just been churning out Dead Cells DLC for pretty much as long as Sean Murray has on No Man's Sky. You get him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a co-op gameplay for fast-paced action, I'm reading straight from IGN, and gorgeous anime-esque cutscenes. Motion Twins said it was craving a lightning-fast combat roguelike, uh, rogue light, but it didn't exist. So they started developing Windblown. Wow. Uh, this Man. one looks quite different I... to Dead Cells, so I'm not 100% on this one. That is cool. I wonder how fast it's going to have to be for them to think that a lightning fast one doesn't exist right now. Because, like, Dead Cells is pretty fucking fast. Hades is fast. Yeah. Uh, how, how fast are we talking? Yeah. In- interesting. All right. Well, uh, good for them. All right. I got one more, apparently. Um <laughs> I gotta hold you back. I'm sorry. We're like, no, I, right. I just cannot imagine how large that list is. This one is a. It's it's not that much longer, but yeah, good call, good call. I think. Um, I mean, sorry, I lost my spot on the list. Okay, uh, Kamuri is the first game Ikumi uh, Nakamura Studio Unseen is releasing. So Unseen is this new um, publisherless video game studio headed up by. I actually don't know how she became famous, but she's a semi-famous game developer, uh, Akuma right. Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been talking about this new game that they were making for a really long time and nothing had been seen about it, but they released a cinematic trailer at the Game Awards and has some really beautiful animation. No gameplay to speak of, but I'm glad that they were able to, you know, show that they were, you know, show what they were working on for the first time. Yeah, cool. Probably the best animation in the whole Game Awards, so I want to shout that one out. Ooh, Okay. Speaking of animation. Oh my god, is it an animation episode? It's not an animation episode, but it is a game dev episode. So, you know, animation adjacent. Hell yeah. So, the topic is genuinely useful applications for AI in game dev. (laughs) Oh, amazing. And that was a very apt throat clear. I knew to get excited. I feel like we're entering Joe business mode, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I'm with the listeners right now. I can't see you, but I'm imagining you just with a tie, iron shirt, maybe no pants, but really nice shoes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. Socks are pulled up right to the tippy top. (laughs) Um, So here we go, I guess. Uh, This is... uh, So let me just read. So much of AI and tech in general is always coined and promoted as something that will give us more time and make it so we can work less. But in reality, under the current system we work under, it usually turns out that we just work more for less money because of the new technology. Mm-hmm. So rather than uh, deep fake porn or generating literally endless art slop at the expense of creative careers, here are some suggestions that I've uh, 
come up with that I think AI would be great at uh, with regards Ooh. to game dev. Shit! So this is this is a Joe original. That's what we're here for. That's what mm. we're here for. We, you know, Jeff Keeley's got nothing on this. <laughs> yeah, reading IGN quotes ain't got nothing on. This. <laughs> um, and and like all of a lot of this stuff doesn't exist. So you know, this is all stuff that I think, based on what I know about what AI can do, this would be cool to see it do in the future if we okay. go down this AI path. Oh, bro, it's. I mean, we're being we're being bundled up into the AI prison and trundled along. We we don't yes. have a choice at this stage. It feels like that is the case. All right, so a thing at the very tippy top of my list, and this is maybe the most pressing one for me but i don't know let's just get through the list and see how we go mm -hmm. is painting skin weights so i don't know if you know what this is have you heard of painting skin weight before <laughs> i oh, haven't it, to you. it sounds like the title of an indie horror movie could be um so when you create a character that needs to move in a game mm -hmm. or in a movie or at all really um in order to get them to move, you need to bind them to like a skeleton or like, mm. you know, uh, things that will make the mesh itself move. Mm -hmm. And the way that it is bound is like extremely tedious and boring to me and uh, like, like supremely suited for something a computer should be able to do right. based off of deep learning and AI. Yep. So, like, you assign a bone, a bunch of verts, or a bunch of parts of the mesh that you've got there, mm -hmm. and you say, uh, you know, put put a bunch of, like, influence on this particular vert or this particular part of the mesh and not much influence on this. So, for instance, you might have a head bone at the very top of your character that moves the head around. Um, when you rotate the head, you want the head to sort of move and the neck to sort of slowly fall off as it hits the, you know, where the neck connects to the body. Right. Um, so, you know, you would rotate the head bone and have to fix the paints, uh, the weight of the um, the influence of that bone over the neck and make it look correct. Right. Same goes for all the other bones in the body. Um, you just go through them one by one and basically, and paint them. It's called painting because that's kind of what you do. You like draw on the surface of the mesh the amount of influence using like a grayscale or a color map. Yep. Yeah. Right, so, and so this just feels kind of something that is like if you could train a monkey to do it, the monkey could do it. It's not so much a monkey thing, but it's definitely like an AI thing, I think. It's right, like okay. Using a bunch of, um, you know, a huge swath of data, it would be really easy to say, okay, this is to the AI, this is what an, a human looks like, and here's how a bunch of examples of ideal skin weighting should look on them. Mm. Um, here's how they look with clothes on. Here's how they look with clothes off. Here's with different skin types, different body sizes, proportions, etc. Right. And you would be able to say, you know, basically just give it the skeleton, and it would interpret, you know, how many arms and legs, and what size of the character, and how muscly they are, and be able to paint weights for you uh, based on a bunch of pre-learning that it had done. Mm, okay and do you feel like let's say we get this kick started in the next couple of weeks do you feel like it would still be useful if an ai did like a bad job or was able to do 50 percent of it and then you could go and fix it like would that be helpful um i definitely think it would be it's a it would save a lot of time just getting to mm. like a, a nice base level can be annoying when you're painting right. 
Yeah. Okay. There are techniques and stuff that you can use to get to that nice base level, but if it can be done more accurately, like, you know, the initial bind sort of gets you 40% of the way there. Mm-hmm. You can do, you can run some scripts and do some magic or, you know, have some tools that help you get an extra maybe 20, 30% of the way there. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it is just like huge pain in the ass, fixing stuff slowly, but surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, getting that, that number up just a little bit more with with the help of AI, I think. And I think AI would actually do an incredible job of this. Like this mm-hmm. is such a well-suited task for the, for these sorts of learning systems. Far out. All right. Watch this space. Joe may have called it. I I've, I think I've called it, but I'm definitely not smart enough to make it. Oh, no, no, of course not. I mean, that's like, that's fucked. I, I feel like that's just a bit of a black hole. It's kind of like making a crypto coin, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. I feel like the Dogecoin guy was like, I made that shit in two hours. But <laughs> yeah. you got to have so much base knowledge to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of like my wishful thinking is that one of these days someone will overhear me talking about this idea and just go and do it themselves or talk to someone who knows how to do it. Hell yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I would spend money on this. I would spend money to buy a copy of this tool. I mean, maybe the AI is listening to this podcast and it can just (laughs) go on its own volition and create it for you. That would be fun. Uh, (laughs) And terrifying. Um, Oh, speaking of AI, maybe I should get that up. I'll, I'll try and do that while I while I do the next topic mm. or the next thing. Mm. Uh, the next thing is a oh, this one actually kind of already exists. I skipped one, but I'll I'll go back to it. Uh, so <laughs> the way my boy is using lists, we gotta. Can I get like a uh, petition out there? We need more <laughs> list training. It can be generalized. It can it can come in at a primary school level, but I feel like mm. people just need to understand how list works. Like the list works for you, you know. Mm. There's there's none of this, like missing things or geographically <laughs> based lists. <laughs> no, my oh. list work in in like four dimensions, dude. It's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, uh, here we go. Uh, next one is generating variability based off of a set samples and parameters. So that's kind of like a complicated way to say that I think it would be really cool to have it used as a way to like, let's say you're um, making a texture for a terrain mm-hmm. um, and then you sort of you know spray down where you want the grass to go and then where you want the trees to go. Um, but then there's like this hard cutoff between like where the trees are and the grass is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what you could do is say to the AI, oh, actually, you know, can you smooth that out or like generate some variability so that the types of trees that grow closer to the grass are different to the ones that grow further from the grass. Right. Like have it be a, a means to sort of more accurately portray whatever your intention is. So, you know, a, a lot of the time in like old, um, like N, even in N64 games, they had like, flat shading for the most part with very little lighting or like really simple lighting and mm-hmm. like te- texture, like repeating texture maps mm-hmm. and repeating texture maps is still a thing that's used today. You know, like we used repeating texture maps for all sorts of stuff. Um, I think using this particular version of this AI tool would be a way to generate uh, not just a seamless, um, uh, a seamless texture map, but one that has like, naturally occurring variation mm. so you know like as it reaches certain features in the environment so let's say you've got like a pond or and like a big grassy field like you plunk the pond down but it need like this tool would be like 
have a way to know that you know grass or certain types of dirt appears near the edge of the pond and and sort of suggest or or make changes on on the environment based on based on you know landmarks and stuff right yeah no i totally get that i think that would work really well because it's really obvious in in games when there's been a human touch to to that kind of thing like dark souls 2 really stands out for me with like a lot of copied textures and grass that is like clipping through the ground and that kind of thing it just yeah it just feels like that's a a a minutia in the level design that ai could help out with totally yeah rather than having your level designer or an intern or whatever go through and look for all the examples of grass clipping or like Mm. weird glass grass intersecting Mm-hmm. You could just run this tool and be like, okay, fix all instances of grass in this level, and then, and then you know, show me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the like the sound of that one, big time. Cool. Next one is a Copilot style coding tool, and this one actually already exists, and it's called Copilot. And I might have mentioned it previously in the podcast. I can't remember. <laughs> Um, so this one is like an almost like you know how you have on your keyboard like an auto fill or an auto correct even you know like oh. you you write something and it suggests stuff for you. Bro, can we just just quick segue? Can we move something yeah. to the top of your list? Like, what the yeah. fuck is up with auto correct? Like, we've got all this AI shit happening. My auto correct is garbage. It yeah. is total crap. And it like I was in a chat yesterday and I typed gidnified instead of dignified it had all the correct letters just the d and the g switched around and it was useless it didn't do anything and i'm just like i'm like brother inject some ai into this like holy crap we should not be dealing with defunct autocorrect in 2023 yeah look i think i might have mentioned this as well but i think in the next if not the next the one after that version of mobile phones a lot of ai stuff like functionality will be built into the chipset so it'll be like on board fixing things rather than like using a you know web service to like send you ai suggestions based on spelling it'll be like just in the in the in the keyboard itself mm, of the that, phone that sounds good like yeah i'm just going to succumb surrender you know just just <laughs> make it easy for me ai overlords yeah yeah uh yeah, I mean, I kind of hate AI-generated text, but it would be a really nice way to fix some spelling on stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, next is uh, suggestion-based animation results. So this Ooh. is a little bit different to, like, Cascadeur, which we've spoken about definitely in the past when I talked about animation tools. Mm-hmm. Um, Cascadeur does have an AI element to it where it uses, like, a training set to do pose suggestion based on where you move arms and legs. Mm. So, like, you'll move a leg forward, and when you do that, it will automatically move the hip forward to adjust for where you place the leg and adjust the arms out so the character looks like they're holding their balance. You right. Know, like, it, it will do all of these things on the fly based on, yeah, training data set. That's it. Um, the, the thing that I'm talking about, though, is um, it, it takes an input animation and supply suggested shapes, parts, and poses after the animation is complete. So you could be like, take an animation uh, of like character walking across a screen, and maybe the, the, you know, you've told the AI, or the AI knows that this project is like supposed to be cartoony, it would make you know, a, a version of the file or maybe even, like, do a draw over for you of how you could make it more cartoony. Right. Um, which is a little bit of a weird one. I don't really know how I feel about this this idea. I think it's, like, you know, 
Pascadeur kind of grinds my gears a little bit because it sort of like does suggestions, but it's like none of that is coming from the animator's mind or their knowledge or observations. Just like right. here's the answer, which I really hate. Right. What about like as a learning tool though? Do you think even that... as a learning tool, I, like I think I, I did this tweet the other day that was like, um, observation is the birthplace of animation. And I think like if you're just being shown the answer <laughs> in mm. real time, it's just like right. totally like antithetical. I said that word a lot this episode, but it's just like the opposite of what you, in my opinion, should be doing as an animator. You know, it's about looking at things and observing them and training your eye in reality you know, like looking at things in the real world and like making observations in your mind about how they're, how they're moving and why they're doing that and, and tucking them away into your little, you know, into your saga mind palace to use later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I get it. I think it's like when you are learning something new and you ask for help and then someone just does it for you rather yeah. than teaching you how to do it. <laughs> That's a be- beautiful uh, summarization of how I feel about it. Yeah. It's, it's the thing showing you instead of you actually figuring it out. Mm, yeah all right yeah i'm with you so yeah this this tool would be like um i think i think something that it would be really useful for is if you're like trying to do a facial animation and you're like uh maybe off by a couple of frames on a lip sync it could like make a suggestion to retime mm. um or it could fix like do suggested mouth shapes like a lot of people including myself struggle with like graphical mouth shapes mm. um so you know the phonemes and such if you've ever seen like a e i o and u and how to make a ch or a p or a k face with your mm-hmm. lips mm-hmm. um they do certain things and in order to make them read appropriately in animation they need to be specific shapes or they should be specific shapes based on style and so yeah all of that stuff i think would be neat it could like take a frame of an animation and you could be like can you fix the mouth shape here and it could potentially show you a couple of options for mouth shapes Right. So it's more like helping with the technical side of animation rather than the creative side. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like I want to have, you know, something done and ask it, is this, you know, what else could I do here? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I dig. Um, yeah. That's that one. Um, oh, this one is a bit weird, but go with me. So it, it's, <laughs> A GPT with citations for forum slash database slash documentation scraping and cataloging. So recently a forum, I can't remember the name of it right now, which is really bothering me, but a forum on the internet that housed a lot of like CG and visual effects knowledge has basically just closed down. And so a bunch of knowledge that was searchable, you know, usually via Google on that forum is no longer accessible. Oh, no. Yeah, unless you're using, like, a Wayback Machine or, you know, like, a cataloging service. I was about to say, yeah. Oh, don't you hate when that happens? Yes. Yes, I do. And this is the AI that's trying to solve that. (laughs) Oh, shit. It would basically, you know, take the Unreal documentation website. It would take my documentation website. It would scrape all the forums about every single, you know, minute topic about, um, about specific parts of whatever pipeline you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and and put them into like basically a chat GPT where you could ask it, you know, like how do I fix skin weights on this hand or how do I, how do I you know, where's the best place to, uh, to put a wrist joint in a skeleton for a biped? And it would, instead of just like giving you some text, it would give you some text, but it would also cite the reference for where it learned that and then send mm-hmm. you to that location on the web. 
Um, uh, and if it's like a cataloged thing, it would be, you know, screenshots and catalog version of, of that old website. Oh, bro. You're just like, you, you're just injecting AI into the references section of a Wikipedia article. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what this is. I love but, it. Yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, part of the challenge a lot of people have in game dev and programming, like especially I feel like it happened a lot in coding, is you spend so much time trolling old forums, like Russian forums and Google translating them to get your results. Right. You know, like that that's part of it is like, you know, finding a forum post from 2012 that talks about this one specific error that you're having and then <laughs> and then it works. And that's beautiful. But what if we didn't have to spend, you know, an hour trying to find a forum post? Like what right. if what if this thing already had that forum post and we could talk to it like a human? Oh, bro. I mean, that's universal. That that yeah. that can be more than game dev. You can yeah. you can have that, you know, in relation to hobbies because there's there's a lot of times when like you're researching something new, when you're going traveling even. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Oh, bro. Where do I invest? Where's the invest <laughs> button? But I think the really key thing about this is the citation part. Like a lot of the time with these GPT models, they'll just give you some text and it's like, okay, that's nice. But like, where did you know this and how do you know this is correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but I think actually Microsoft Bing service does a similar thing when you search it using the, you know, AI system, it will cite, cite the web for you. I, uh, I suppose you're one of only three people that know that because you have user experience with Bing. <laughs> I tried it. I tried it briefly. Uh, I tried the, I wanted to see what the AI was all about. I seem to remember it doing citations. Anyway. Right. Um, it was sort of going down the rabbit hole a bit now. My my mind was struggling to come up with things, but here, here's another one. <laughs> I mean, that uh, last one was a cracker. So maybe, uh, maybe the rabbit hole is what we need. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, a better slash weirder game suggestion algorithm. If you like RPGs, it could suggest some indie unknown, rarely discussed RPGs you might like. Oh. Uh, so much of the Steam slash Epic slash PlayStation Xbox front store is just what's hot right now globally. Mm -hmm. I would love to have the option for it to be more personal or, you know, that you could not necessarily just see, you know, what the hottest AAA dev release is. It can mm. show you a bunch of weird shit. Mm, yep. I mean, that's, that's a great one because I mean, especially off the, off the back of the game awards where I'm pretty sure every game you mentioned, like while there were new IPs and stuff, they were from developers we know. So mm. like, it just becomes this kind of self-feeding Ouroboros, whereas like to have a game show that talked about the weirder things probably wouldn't be very popular and so you wouldn't have as much people watching and making you ad revenue and that kind of thing yeah, but yeah, yeah. If, if you could have something like the netflix algorithm but i don't know you could just have a setting for something like this because at the moment you know sony and xbox they have this algorithm but it's like mm. oh you liked alan wake 2 have you played call of duty 3 and it's just yeah, like uh... it sucks. <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's it's basically just a better algorithm. I don't know if it's necessarily an AI thing, but you know who knows. Um, the next one is a tool creation slash suggestion based off of frequent user actions. Um, oh, so... you love this! This is a Joe special <laughs> when Joe gets a new tool for something that he has to do a bunch of clicks for. Oh my god! 
yeah, this is a very personal one, but I think it's <laughs> one that a lot of people who, you know, done any repetitive action over and over again would appreciate. For sure. Is, uh, um, you know, like if you're doing animation and you do this one series of clicks and keyboard strokes over and over again, but in, you know, with some amount of variability, this AI could maybe recognize that you're doing that and suggest a tool that either already exists or points you to the place where you can sort of make one yourself. Or if oh. it was smart enough, smart enough, just make it for you. A hundred percent. Dude, the rabbit hole is amazing. Yeah, this is exactly what we need. But I want that just overlaid onto my life, you know, <laughs> where like, yeah. you know, my phone operating system, it, like it's it's kind of getting there. Like it knows which apps I open in the morning. Like I check my mm. emails first and that kind of thing. And so like yeah. it might have app recommendations depending on the time of day. But mm. it, it's like you say, it doesn't automate anything. It just makes suggestions. And I want that yeah. I want that next step where like I, you know, I pick up the phone and my emails are just open. And like, it's a setting I can change, but like, mm. just like I say, succumb, surrender, just let it make <laughs> things better for me. Yeah. I mean, that's another part of it as well. You know, just like changing the user experience at, at like a fundamental level. Like I feel like that your example of picking up the phone and having the emails already open is like, it's another layer, you know, like it's, mm. it's sort of like the smart home example where it's like uh, you wake up and you know, your, your like motion sensors in your room realize that you have moved and they open the curtains and dim the lights for you, you know, like mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's got a lot of pros and cons. Yeah. It, it, yeah. We need, we need just that like, deeper implementation of AI when it knows somehow that I want the yeah. curtains to open. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, it, maybe it, it reads how much alcohol I drank the night before, yes. you know? Like, it, we need we need the AI to access more of our bio data. <laughs> yeah, give it more. <laughs> it's hungry, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then this one, it sort of is further to that, I guess, the hungry, hungry boy. Mm -hmm. Um this one's tricky. More data-rich production analysis and prediction. Giving better suggestions for team health and productivity may be dystopian, probably, is what mm, I wrote. Yeah, that's um, sounding like Demon Seed quite, so, quite yeah, a bit. Total. I don't know what Demon Seed is, but it's. Uh, I assume it's like where an AI suggests a bunch of stuff for productivity until the workers die. <laughs> is that what happens? <laughs> um, Demon Seed, The Simpsons made fun of it. It's the one uh, where they get the smart house and the smart house like uh, kills them because it, it falls in yeah. love with Marge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, so this is like, it's basically like taking a producer's role um, and like enhancing it a bunch. Um, so, you know, you would have a bunch of, a bunch of like data that you could give this thing and it would be things like, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff I, I think I want to put around the brackets or, or under the umbrella of team health and mm. not productivity. I think the team health comes first is the, is the kind of use of this particular tool. So um, just, just that term team health is scary. That Oh, I, I mean, it is, it's like a way to like make sure no one ever burns out. That's kind mm. of the purpose. Mm, yeah, no, the intention is great. But when you've yeah. got a robot talking to you about team health, there's yeah, alarm bells. Yeah, it's really, this is why it's at the bottom of the list, you know, <laughs> and I wrote probably dystopian. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it intakes certain, uh, over a long period of time, probably data about, you know, arrival time and screen time and action, uh, useful and productive actions per minute or second mm. or hour. Mm. Um, and then notices and makes suggestions based off of, you know, that data. So like maybe it notices that everyone on the team is like, 
making less critical actions per minute. Let's just use that as a metric at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe it suggests to the producer that at three o'clock in the afternoon that everyone should just stop and we have like a mandated like whatever don't work period where we get mm-hmm. to go and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. So like rather than it being like this, oh, let's, let's we should get back to work. It's like, no, no, like you get an hour, you get another hour off you go, <laughs> go do something, mm-hmm. yeah. go hang out. Um, yeah so that's, I, I don't know that's that's the kind of thing yeah i mean you can't let the employees know about that you know you activate that one <laughs> yeah. but you don't let them know it just seems like you as the boss really make, good yeah you make all these yeah. great calls but you can't let them know that you're watching their clicks per second or whatever yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah. way it's yeah it's it's extremely dystopian i don't, I don't really know where that one falls it's it's also probably like partially an, an inevitability, isn't there? Already like teams or whatever that like oh, um, totally. logs your actions and knows whether or not you're at your computer because of your webcam and all sorts of shit. Like totally, yeah. It's, uh, yep. nasty if, out there. If if you uh, are are an office worker and you use Teams, uh, you can just download the mobile app and make it so that your phone doesn't sleep automatically. And if you leave Teams open on your phone, Teams thinks you're always active. Yeah, nice, solid suggestion. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta know the Teams hacks. Yeah, dude, fuck Microsoft. Um, okay, that's it. That's all I got for you, man. That's it. That was sick. I love that. Yeah. Uh, some great ideas there. Even, even the anime, like the game dev specific ones, I feel like had broader use cases. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it's like. You know, so much of this AI stuff feels like it's always always been, so far at least, just like really annoying shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. here's like how a thing can like write an essay for you. It's like, oh, Jesus. Or here's like a thing that can like generate infinite pictures of cats on different art styles of your uh-huh. favorite artists. It's like, uh-huh. no, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Do something useful. And yeah, so that's what I wanted to like make some pretty serious suggestions about what I think would be useful. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Um, yeah. yeah, there was one in there that I want to invest in right away. I can't remember what it is at this moment, but uh, I'll have to listen back. Mm. Hell yeah. uh, so, I mean, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, it's our top five next week. We're recording our top five for the year. The It's almost the weekend game awards. Um, and the prerequisites for this are they are games that you've played this year and they are not games you have played before. Uh, mm-hmm. So they don't have to be released this year. Uh, but, yeah, that that's the sit show. So if, if you all have a list that you want to send us and you want us to read that shit out, uh, we would love to. You can email it to itsalmosttheweekendpod at gmail.com. Excellent shout-out. Thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that's it. We're going to we're going to record that in person. Oh uh, yeah. Bring that delicious bevy attitude to the mic. And uh yeah. We hope you'll have a lovely weekend and we'll uh see you when it's almost the weekend game awards edition next oh, week. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>